You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. I am broadcasting from the Vivid Seat Studios. Make sure you're using promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases. First time customers only. All righty dighty. So, uh, first order of business. About a week ago, I threw out a complete joke that I was looking for a secretary to help me sort through them some things. And I had uh, Big T, Mr. Travis, reach out and was like, yeah, dude, I'm down. And I explained I was joking, and we kind of laughed, and then it was like, uh, so, all right, let's actually do this. And I'd like to say it's actually going pretty well. I kind of like it. So here's the thing. First of all, probably should have told you this in person, Travis, but I didn't, so that's fine. You'll uh, you'll find out shortly. Number one, I would like to offer some perks to Mr. Travis. And the reason I'm telling all of you is because I kind of think I'd like a few more. Now, there's already the Facebook group, which is very great as far as me being able to go out and find out some content. There's also the phone number where certain people will call in and ask me questions. If you're already on that bandwagon and you're good with that, that's cool. This is a little bit more as far as I have expectations for you. Like, this isn't just kind of a casual thing where you pop in once a week and are like, hey, man, did you hear this crazy thing? It was so crazy, right? You can do that with the phone number. Just shoot me a text message. That's cool. This is what people back in the hood used to call a job back where I grew up, back in the Hanover Pizark. I had to look up the zip code. It says it's 60133. I could swear it was 60103. Do they change the zip codes around? Anyways, we're focused again. I'm back. I was thinking about maybe getting four more for a grand total of in and around five, if my calculations are correct. And so anyways, if you're interested, some general perks as far as whatever Patreon offers, um, getting you in the Pack Daddy Premium Facebook page, which has been entirely useless, and I apologize for that. But I promise you, if anything cool comes to my brain, it's going to go into that group. Maybe tomorrow, actually, because I'm taking the day off. I might have a little bit of time to maybe look at the Lions or something on Game Pass and make a video. Anyways, uh, there's also one other perk that I'd rather not announce on here, but uh, it's probably going to be the one you're most interested in. So anyways, if there's any desire to kind of be a part of it, the whole goal of it, really, you're listening to podcasts, you're reading articles, and you're immersed in social media. It can be one of these three, but it needs to be at least one, preferably all three. And you're more or less reporting back to me with, this is what so-and-so said, or this is what Packer fans are are rumbling about, or this is what Lions fans are saying, or this is what this national figurehead said. Because I can't know everything that's going on, but I really want to and kind of demand that I know everything that's going on. And I guess I just need some help, and I'm looking for help. Does that kind of make sense? All right, so reach out if you're interested. But again, if, if, if this is a casual thing, just don't, don't, because it's just going to be awkward, because I'm just going to have to take all that stuff away from you and replace you, and it's going to be weird. If it sounds fun, let's, let's rock. What else? Um, I don't know. iTunes, if you, if you wouldn't mind. Stitcher. You know the drill. Why don't we just take our break and uh, start talking about the Green Bay Packers? Good? Good. 
Tell you what, I'm getting pretty excited about the Packers stomping out the Lions on Monday. But there's something that can make it even better, and that's making a little extra coin this weekend. My bookie is your place this week for all the fun on Monday Night Football. Last time I checked, same as yesterday, Packers are favored by four points, with the over-under set at 47. But like I said, they've also got the player props, like how many passing yards Aaron Rodgers is going to carve up the Detroit Lions for. It's also not too late for an NFC North ticket or other season-long predictions. And all that's just scratching the surface because we've teamed up with MyBookie this October to give you this great offer. Sign up at MyBookie.ag and use promo code OVERTIME and they'll match your first deposit again. Promo code OVERTIME and new users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. So actually today I want to start with the, uh, the voicemails. There's a couple of them. Uh, the first one was from Jim. And he made a comment about, and I've kind of been thinking about this. It's, you know, not super strong opinion, I guess. But there's, there's a conflict of interest as far as the, the media members wanting to get us information and the coach trying to make a, I guess, decision that's best for the organization. And I'm talking about the injuries because it's, it's a different thing with basically Matt LaFleur refusing to give any information on injuries until it's absolutely required, which ultimately he's not required, I guess, to say anything. It's like, well, the the injury report will come out, you'll find out then. And so I guess it's kind of tough because on on one hand, I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I get it from Matt LaFleur's standpoint. He needs to do what's best for his team and not divulging information is probably in the best interest of the team. And so the media members probably should just respect that and back off. On the other hand, it is their job to get us information, and they're kind of doing it for us. At least that's the most um, glorified way to say it, probably in a large sense doing it for themselves. But it's their job to get us information, so that's what it is. But I, I think we can comfortably say at this point he's not going to give us that information, so we should probably just stop asking the question. I mean, maybe, maybe just, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I, you know. I guess I really don't care. I, I very rarely even listen to those things anymore because instantly you're getting highlights on Twitter. Occasionally I'll try to get more more context and I'll go back and listen to it. But I, I mean, it, it started off as like a weird little quirk, like, huh, I guess he doesn't talk about that. And now it's kind of to the point where it's like, you guys should probably just stop asking. It's kind of just getting annoying at this point. And, and sometimes these, these guys, and it's only certain ones, but man, do they get, they're just full of themselves. Now, I'm not talking about anybody in particular, although there is one person that immediately comes to mind. I'll leave it alone. But just the, the amount of pride that they have in themselves and the ego and sort of this how dare you not give me the information I demand kind of attitude gets to be a little much. 
And so I, you know, I don't know if this is just a matter of it's kind of my job to ask, so I'm going to ask, and it's kind of weird, but it is what it is, or if it's going to turn into a bit of an argument because, you know, how dare you? And I guess it just kind of depends how they handle that. But for the most part, I can understand. I, I just think we should just leave it alone. I mean, like, it, it's sort of like he said, it is going to come out publicly anyway, so why not just leave it alone? Like the day that the, the report is coming out, people ask one hour before. Why? Because you want to get the scoop? Just Just relax. And I, I do get it from Matt LaFleur's standpoint because it, it's it's nothing but a disadvantage. I mean, I'm, I'm sure if it was up to NFL head coaches, they would never tell anyone anything, and it's just going to be a surprise on game day. And to be completely honest, I think as fans, as much as we want to know and we demand to know and I want to know what's going on, we really shouldn't want to know. We should want it to be a because it gives us an advantage, and what we should want is for the team to win. I mean, I want to know. I mean, I have a podcast. It's kind of important that I'm able to talk about things and and have information to talk about and I I doubt I very often relay information to you because it's information comes so quickly if that was if this was a news show it wouldn't have gone very far it's kind of hard to do news podcasts it's it's got to be commentary based but I do need that kind of information but if I had my choice if if I could have it so where Matt LaFleur never had to give us any injury information as much as it would be unfortunate because I really want to know who's playing and who's not I would grant that. If I had that superpower, I'd be like, yeah, dude, super big advantage for the Green Bay Packers. It's a surprise every week who we're going up again. And I think that's just where he's at. Like, I'm, I'm not giving you that information. It is a little weird because it's coming out. Why you can't just be like, yeah, so here's here's essentially what you're going to find out in an hour. But I, I, I don't know. The whole thing is dumb. And it would be nice, I, I guess, for them to just stop. But I could also understand just kind of being like so how about today you change your mind yet or i don't know i guess i don't care again the only thing i don't like is is the arrogant aspect of it and i'm not listening so i don't know who if anybody would have that stance but if you are listening and you can kind of tell that there's an air of arrogance just know that i disapprove very strongly of that uh jim also went on to say he's got a gut feeling that Devonte adams is going to play um i know that we were told initially that this is probably not that serious and there was a possibility he could play last week but didn't and that kind of gives us the impression that if there's any chance he can play last week, he can probably play this week. I kind of see this almost like a hamstring injury, right? Remember in, in the preseason when I had mentioned how they'll talk about how it was just like a tweak, but yet they're not playing, and then they're still not playing the next day, and the next day, and the next week, and it's like, what? What? It, I thought this was a minor hamstring tweak. What? It, it just it doesn't get better. It's, it's like one of those things, it's not that serious. It's not like he's in agonizing pain. It's just not getting any better. And so it, it kind of... It becomes a problem, and it also becomes a strategic issue in which do we risk injuring this even further? Because we obviously are going to need Devontae. You know, you start looking at games like the Chiefs. Um, we, you know, we obviously want him in the postseason and toward the end of the season when these games really count. Are we willing to rush him back early in a home game against the Detroit Lions? I'm not saying it's not an important game, but it's one that we could probably win without him. I mean, if we could beat Dallas without him, we could beat the Lions without him. So, you know, I don't know. I think my initial thought was that he'll probably play, but it just, it's, I'm, I'm getting the opposite vibe of, of Jim, I guess. He's getting the vibe that he's coming back. I'm starting to get the vibe that he may not. Obviously, I hope he's, he's good and he's ready to go, but uh, turf toe usually lingers, and although it's considered, I guess, minor turf toe, if that's even a, a phrase or a thing, I just got kind of a bad feeling I'm, I'm hoping that i'm very wrong and, and we'll find out um usually the injury report comes out today i was hoping it would but because it's monday we're kind of a day delayed i guess so we'll get all the info my goodness injury information 
tomorrow. Um, and obviously he's going to show up on it. I doubt he's going to be full go. But I think the biggest thing is is what his designation is. Um, if, you know, well, it's, it's probably going to be do, did not practice is all it's really going to be. I doubt he's going to practice. And it'll kind of be down to the wire of if he practices on that final fateful day. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Darius Slay is practicing again, so kind of need the guy back. Jim also called in, and this was during the Badger game. He was salivating over the idea of Jonathan Taylor playing for the Packers. That's another one I'm going to put in the probably not, but yes, it would be very cool category. And that's nothing against Aaron Jones, and I've never said anything bad about Aaron Jones. It's really just a question of faith in the depth as well as the injury situation with Aaron Jones. Hopefully he can make it through the year. Obviously after Aaron Jones' uh, latest big game, even mentioning that, um, most Packer fans are going to brush it off and go, yeah, right, whatever, you know, you're this, that, and the other. But if he goes down midseason, I guarantee you the Jonathan Taylor, Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift conversation is going to come rapidly back into the conversation. And I hope we don't have that talk. I hope Aaron Jones continues to thrive, and then we can start talking about fifth, sixth round running backs as depth, um, you know, behind Jamal, Dexter, whatever is, is some better competition. Either way, they may not be looking at a first round, but it, it, it could just be one of those situations of it's it's really just value. Right, if we're picking at oh I don't know, let's just say 32, it really just comes down to is there first round talent left on the board, and it may just be that a running back is the only one left because a lot of teams are going to pass on it. They're going to be like, yeah, I mean he's 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 the one guy that's first round talent, but eh, don't need a running back, don't want a running back. It's not impossible, is all I'm saying. The final call I got was from Andy. Um, he mentioned that he was more or less encouraged by the the production and what he saw from the receivers in, in individual spots. And I, I agree that one of the things I like is that although we don't have another, let's say, Devante outside of Devante, and it's really not even close, I wouldn't say that, you know, we, we can argue about whether there's a, a quote-unquote number two on the offense. But really it's just a matter of I think Matt LaFleur is doing a great job of utilizing the guys we have in, and the talent that they have. And you're starting to see some development. I actually really like what's going on with Jimmy Graham. It's slow, consistent development, including his ability to block has been really impressive lately. But you see, you know, we've seen now Geronimo Allison has run some jet sweeps like twice now. That's the second time because I distinctly remember why in the world would he be the one to do that? I don't know, maybe that's a little, little, little trickery because he wouldn't expect it. I don't know. But he has he's done a great job of, of getting a lot of different people involved in, in certain situations. And it's kind of like old school Packers where, as I've said, outside of the quarterback, you wouldn't touch any of these guys in fantasy because the ball gets distributed so much. So as an offense, it's really potent. As far as individuals, you got, you know, this guy had one catch, this guy had two catches for 13 yards. I mean, it, it's not that much. He's also curious about the Rodgers-MVS connection. I, I don't know what needs to happen, but I can tell you right now, if, if they can figure that out, that 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 is the probably the biggest connection that is left untapped for this offense that's already growing and if if that can get going i don't know what it is i mean i should we get to the point where we start questioning aaron rodgers arm strength or is it is there something else to this cuz i feel like he should have the speed dialed in by now i mean mvs is fast but let's not act like this is he's never seen speed in his life he's he's massively underthrowing mvs on all these deep throws consistently and it, it's, it's becoming a weekly tradition now to where there's plenty of highlights of MVS just burning guys deep, and he's just he, there's touchdowns just left on the field. Probably multiple times in a game, MVS has a, has a touchdown right down the field. 
And if we can tap into that, this 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 is a whole nother level. And and the great thing is it's there for the taking. Again, Lafleur is doing a good job of calling the right plays at the right time. And on occasion, we've got a guy who's really big, really tall, really long, really fast, who's getting behind the defense. And, I mean, these plays are getting broken up, borderline picked, because Aaron Rodgers so incredibly underthrows him that although he has, you know, five yards of separation, he has to basically stop and come back for the ball and, and play defense. That's, 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 gotta, that's, that's crazy. You know, I, I don't know if it's the whole Aaron Rodgers needs to quit throwing off platform and really just set his feet and launch that ball. Maybe, you know, you look at several of these, maybe he's under pressure. I don't, I don't know what the problem is. But they got to get that dialed in. I mean, you know, after hours, man, you got a day off, just hit up MVS. Go call Jair. Be like, look, I mean, you're Aaron Rodgers. You tell people what to do. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, oh, I don't know. We we're going to go get some steaks. He's like, oh, that's cool. Guess what? Cancel it. We're going to play football. And we're going to work this all day. And we're going to run basically five routes or whatever it is, the big play routes, with the main goal being... I'm going to hit you in stride 40 yards down the field. And that's it. That's all we're doing. And we're going to do it for three hours. And if we have to do this every day, I don't care. Because, I mean, this is what you get paid hundreds of millions of dollars for. MVS and Jair Jair aren't making that much. But, again, they're doing what they're told. And MVS stands to make a good amount of money if he can get this connection. Because he's going to be the guy that's got 1,200 yards and 10 touchdowns on the season. He's going to be a, a very big household name. Aaron Rodgers has a lot to gain from this, not just statistically, but we're talking suddenly this is a, a top-tier offense again. The dink and dunk stuff is great, but it, if, if the intention is to set up the deep throw and Aaron Rodgers can't hit MVS, we kind of just don't have it. And if all we're going to do is sit back and wait for you to hit Devontae down the field, who's double-teamed all day, yeah, I don't know if that's going to work, man. So whatever it's going to take, we got we got to figure it out, man. Because again, I mean, it's 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 there every single week, every week. The, I guess the one encouraging thing is we are seeing growth in a lot of areas. You know, you're seeing um, Mercedes Lewis is becoming a big part of the offense. You know, I I love seeing him getting going. We're seeing Jimmy Graham take a step. I mean, the tight ends in general are really starting to become a bigger part of the offense, and that's super important because that's a big part of the Matt LaFleur offense. So them starting to get in the groove is great. We're seeing a a much better connection between Rodgers and Devontae. That really took off. Unfortunately, things completely shut down. But as far as the accuracy and the, the passes, I mean, you can see how beautiful his passes are to Devontae because just, they just got it dialed in. They're in sync. You're seeing the run game get going. Granted, it was probably a lot. You know, a lot of this has to do with the defense. We go up against one of the worst coverage defenses in the NFL, and Devontae goes off. We go up against a really bad run defense, Aaron Jones goes off. But the fact that they're able to do that is an improvement, right? It's, it's, it's signs in the right direction. Aaron Rodgers is, is looking cleaner. I don't know what people are talking about, but him falling off or whatever. They're simply looking at statistics. I think he's looked a lot better these last few weeks, including last week. It wasn't perfect. There were some bad throws. But compare that to early in the season as well as last year, where he's literally missing screen passes in the dirt. It was, I mean, it, it was borderline panic time. Like, something is very, very... This, this, this is looking clean, man. Some really good throws, some off-platform, on-the-run throws, beautiful accuracy. There's some tweaks that need to be made. But we're seeing vintage Aaron Jones. We're seeing vintage Aaron Rodgers. We're getting a glimmer of Jimmy Graham. We're seeing old-school Mercedes Lewis. Things are really starting to peak. And, and, you know, not everything's perfect. The run defense is is 
arguably the worst in the NFL. It's really bad. It really needs to get cleaned up. But there's a lot of progress being made, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And different defenses bring different challenges. But the um, point is, there's reason to believe that that will be another area that gets improved upon. And again, at, at this point in the season, it's still early. It's really just about find a way to win, even if it's a little bit ugly. Just find a way to win. And then the goal being by the end of the season, when we're fighting to get into the playoffs, and ultimately once you're in the playoffs and you have to be perfect, you have to be undefeated, that's when everything that's that's when these these things you're working on become expectations. I expect that connection to be working. I expect the run game to be working. I expect these tight ends to be in sync. I expect the defense, you know, the 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 run defense to have been figured out, right? How do we stop it? We we got it figured out and dialed in. We can't have these loose ends and things that are just terrible anymore. This is playoff time. This is time to really dial it in. So I wanted to turn my attention to the Facebook group, and, and ironically, the very first thing that was brought up is from uh, Robin. He says, uh, finally had a chance to watch the full game. Anyone think Rodgers might be losing a touch of arm strength? He seems to be regularly be underthrowing people, which uh, whether it means there's an incompletion or they have to adjust their route, let the cornerback catch them and break it up, seems to happen more often than I'd like. I don't think it'll be the end of the world. It's probably going to happen eventually. He just needs to learn he can't rely on it being able to chuck it anywhere he wants without being a set. So I, I, I wanted to be able to see if I can confirm or deny this. I went to PFF first. They don't actually have it, but I, I want to give you a couple different statistics. I found it, and it's encouraging, but I want to save that for last as sort of a teaser. They do have deep passing statistics, um, but essentially what PFF is looking at is what are the statistics on passes 20 yards or more down the field? Now, obviously, every quarterback in the NFL, I can throw it 20 yards, probably, barely. I guess I don't know. I shouldn't. I'm, I'm, I, I'm sure I could, right? It's not that far, is it? I don't know. I've never me- <laughs> measured it. I can do it. Get out of my face. But let's just look at some of the, the 20 yards or more, passes beyond 20 yards, just to get an idea of where Aaron Rodgers ranks as far as throwing the ball deep, which has a lot to do with, with chemistry and things of that nature. First of all, as far as attempts, Aaron Rodgers is currently ranked 13th, throwing the ball deep on 13.3% of his throws. Uh, Matt Stafford, not surprisingly, is second. Ryan Fitzpatrick with Miami was number one, 23% of the time. That's kind of shocking. Uh, Josh Rosen also up there at 17.9 as number three, meaning basically Miami is just chucking it down the field all the time. Well, uh, It's probably because they're behind so much is probably what that is. Uh, Deshaun Watson, Pat Mahomes, Dak Prescott, uh, these things aren't super surprising. Um, ben Roethlisberger, Russell Wilson, Jameis Winston, Lamar Jackson, Gardner Minshew, Josh Allen, and then Aaron Rodgers. As far as completion percentage, Aaron Rodgers is 18th out of 36, so not great. 41.7% of his passes are completed, which is to say less than half. Um, only 10, uh, that's not true, 13 quarterbacks complete 50% or more of their passes that are deep passes. His NFL passer rating, however, is 11th, primarily because he gets a good amount of yards, a decent chunk of touchdowns, and he doesn't throw interceptions. So it's going to correlate into a pretty high um, NFL passer rating. He has 307 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 113.2 passer rating uh, on his deep throws. His his basic statistics, out of um, 181 pass attempts, 24 of them are 20 yards or more. Nine of those 24 have been completed, one of which was dropped. So essentially 10 accurate passes out of 24 deep throws. That feels bad, right? I mean, that doesn't feel great. I mean, I guess maybe it's a contested throw, so it 
it's possible it wasn't a drop or inaccurate, but either way, it doesn't sound, it doesn't feel great. 10 out of 24, but he's also ninth in yards, so that they're not lacking necessarily on these these kinds of deep throws. But let's let's get into the meat of it a little bit and and talk about what we're actually talking about, and that is air yards, and that's something you can find on Next Gen Stats. We want to find out how far the ball traveled. I don't care about throwing a five yard pass and the guy ran for 75 yards, and we're calling it an 80 yard pass. That was not an 80 yard pass. Those are Tom Brady stats. I'm talking about actual air yards traveled because we want to know: Is he losing strength in his arm? Can he throw deep balls? Right now, Aaron Rodgers has thrown this season the sixth deepest pass of the year. The The furthest pass thrown was Jared Goff, 60 and a half yards. Carson Wentz threw it 58.4. Russell Wilson, 58.1. Deshaun Watson, 55.8. Kyler Murray, 55.1. Aaron Rodgers, 53.5 yards. So he can throw it 53 yards at least. So... You know, if, if he's under-throwing a 40-yard pass, it's not because he doesn't have the strength. It may be that he put everything into it and didn't get there because, as I said, his, his he's not planting his feet. He's not using proper technique. That's entirely possible. However, again, the, the actual question that we need to answer, can he throw it 50 yards down the field? The answer to the question is yes. He's done it already, so we know he's got it in his arm. And nobody has thrown a pass over 60 yards except Jared Goff this year. And I'm, I'm, I'd be willing to bet if we let Aaron Rodgers uncork the deepest throw he can throw, he could probably hit 60. Just a guess. I mean, it's only five yards off what he's already done this season. So, I mean, it, it's it's farther than Pat Mahomes. His deepest throw is 50.6. You know, we always think of him as having a, a, a rocket for, well, I shouldn't say a rocket, but, you know, we, he hits the deep pass a lot. Josh Allen is the rocket arm guy. He's only His deepest throw is 42.5 yards. Now, I don't think that that's because he doesn't have a cannon. He does. It just hasn't gone that far. But anyways, so that, I think, I kind of think that answers the question, right? Are we, are we good now? Can we can we move off of it? Because I, I legitimately asked the question just a minute ago, and then I found the answer, and I'm, I'm satisfied with that. So he can do it. We need him to be able to plant his feet. We need him to have a little bit more chemistry with MVS and to really launch that ball and get it out in front of him. But again... I think we're seeing that he can do it, unless unless we're looking at passes that are 65 yards down the field, in which case, I don't know if we're looking at it and saying Aaron Rodgers doesn't have it anymore. I think we're looking at it and saying, maybe he went a little too far down the field. Maybe he should have thrown that a little bit sooner, but I don't think any of these throws are 65 yards down the field. So I'm I'm content with that answer. Anyways, why don't we real quick take a break, because we're, we're getting kind of far into this, and we'll continue rolling in the Facebook group and see what else we can uh, find to talk about. Steve asked the question in the Facebook group, who do you guys think the top five performing rookies are chosen after pick 12 of this year's draft? It's funny you should ask, and I don't know if I've mentioned this in this group. I use it in my NFL draft podcast. I've actually been tracking this exact same thing all year. Maybe what I'll do is I'll throw this in the uh, the Pack Daddy Premium because that would be something cool that I could do, I guess. I don't know. Um, I did not finish week five yet, so we won't look at that, but through weeks, I, I, I have PFF grades through weeks one, two, three, four, and then their overall grades. So let's just look at overall, shall we? Right now, the highest graded rookie uh, taken in the fifth round, he's only played two weeks, but they've been an incredible two weeks, is Charles Amenahu, the edge rusher um, out of Texas playing for the Houston Texans. By the way, let's read who people have been um, suggesting. Zach said, Savage, Gardner, Minshew, Brian Burns, Josh Jacobs, and Terry McLaurin. All these guys have done a fantastic job. Um, Robin says he would consider Bush and Bosa, maybe Hollywood Brown. Uh, controversially, I might consider Kyler. 
So the cool thing about what I'm doing is you, you get into the guys that people already forgot about, right? You start talking about the first round, and it, it really kind of shows you how hard it is for guys to produce because there's not a lot of guys doing actually a good job that are rookies. A lot of these are, are great mentions, but um, a lot of other players. Anyways, continuing on, um, as far as people that have actually played <clears throat> more than one week, so we'll skip Cartez Broughton. But Terry McLaurin is the, the I guess, second or we'll call it third highest graded player right now. He's played in three weeks and has been pretty fantastic every single week. Josh Jacobs, uh, another great uh, great pickup there. He's been fantastic for the Oakland Raiders. He was a first-round pick. After that is John Kaminsky, somebody else nobody is talking about. Edge rusher out of Charleston, fourth-round pick. He's played three weeks. Um, overall grade is at 79, so we've dropped from the very good down into the good category. Uh, after that is Brian Burns, somebody that's uh, been mentioned. Um, he's been kind of up and down, but as far as his statistics, he's been kind of off the charts. He's been really, really good. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, I, I, you know, it's it's funny because nobody liked Dexter Lawrence in the draft process. He's doing really, really well now as a first round pick for the Giants. Probably the only defensive player that's any good at all. He's been really good for three weeks in a row. Kind of had a rough first week, but still nobody's talking about him. I like. Dexter Lawrence, but he's doing great. Um, after that is actually surprisingly Greedy Williams. He's been out two weeks, so it's only been two weeks. He had a terrible week one, but a very, very good week two, so it's hard to say he's actually been all that great, but there you go. After that, shockingly, is Jake Bailey, the punter. Then Irv Smith for the Vikings. Um, he's actually been pretty bad for most weeks, but one of the weeks was so good in week three that it, overall his average is pretty high. After that is Gardner Minshew who is kind of similar. He's actually been, he was very good in week one, kind of bad in week two, very good in week three, mediocre in week four. Um, Anthony Nelson has been very good, edge rusher. A lot of late round edge rushers are kind of killing it. Um, Anthony Nelson, edge rusher in the fourth round for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers out of Iowa. He's been pretty consistent. He's only been in the 70s, but he was 70s three weeks in a row and then, you know, 60 this past week. Uh, Ken Webster for the New England Patriots, a seventh-round pick. Tony Pollard, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. He had two good weeks, two bad weeks. A.J. Brown, actually a really good wide receiver. He kind of blew up week one, and it was like, oh, man, they got this elite receiver, and then he was really bad for two weeks. And then this last week was actually his best week. He was graded as an elite wide receiver. So he's kind of up and down, but he's been really, really good for the Titans. Uh, Greg Little, so I've been saying that I think we have the best offensive lineman. Apparently that isn't necessarily correct. But that also has to do with, I think, um, I don't know. There, there was a bad week in there somewhere. I don't know. Greg Little, tackle for the Carolina Panthers. Hollywood Brown for the Ravens. Uh, we'll skip that guy. Josh Allen for the Jaguars. Uh, Kahari Willis for Michigan, out of Michigan State for the Colts. Safety. Then Dalton Reisner and then Elton Jenkins. So I don't exactly know where we are because there's a lot of NAs at the top. So we're... I don't know exactly how far down he is, but that's that's kind of how far down we get before you get to Elton Jenkins. His overall grade, by the way, is a 68.9, so he's kind of in the average category. PFF has not been quite as high on him as Packer fans have been. He didn't play week one. Uh, they gave him a good grade week two, and then average grades two weeks in a row, and I don't think they gave him a very good grade this past week either, which I know has upset a lot of people, which is why I want to watch him if I get an opportunity, because... You know, obviously, again, everybody in Packers Twitter shows like three or four highlights, and it's like, look how great he is. Packer fans say he is really great. PFF says he's not. Obviously, there's a lot of plays that need to be watched in between to kind of get an idea. Um, then it is uh, Dre Greenlaw. 
and then it's Darnell Savage. So they're very close to each other as far as, as rookies were, I don't know, quite a ways in. Uh, and then after that, you get Nick Bosa, who I think is is another one that there's a ton of hype about him. And you see the highlights, and I think um, Baldy, Brian Baldinger, has done several breakdowns about how good he is. PFF is not super impressed. Week one, they gave him a really good grade. He was in the 50s in week two and 60 in week three. So he's got some stuff he needs to work on. So I don't know. I, I, we can keep going, but I'm probably not going to. Some of the worst performing rookies just for fun. Surprisingly, the two worst rookies are first-round draft picks, DeAndre Baker and Garrett Bradbury. It's, again, it's shocking to see. Uh, there, there really is almost no correlation right now. Maybe things will, will sort of correct as the season goes on. But I, I listed off several fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh-round picks who are at the top. The bottom players... DeAndre Baker, first-round pick. Garrett Bradbury, first-round pick. Quincy Williams, third-round pick. Lonnie Johnson, second-round pick. Michael Jordan, fourth-round pick. Michael Dieter, third-round pick. Ronell Wren, fourth. Trayvon Wesco, fourth. Andre Dillard, first. Jonathan Abram, first. These are first, second, third, and fourth round. Not one fifth, sixth, or seventh-round pick in the bottom. Now, granted, this doesn't include players who haven't taken the field, but still, there's a lot of 5th, 6th, and 7th round players that have, and none of them are at the bottom. Of the bottom, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4. Of the bottom 10, 4 of them are 1st round picks, 1 is a 2nd round pick. So half of the bottom 10 worst players in the draft are 1st and 2nd round picks. Again, this may course correct over time, but that's pretty shocking. Anyways, I'm, I'm going to throw this up, if I can remember, in the um, Pack Daddy Premium Facebook group. So anybody that is in the Charles Woodson tier on Patreon, you can get in that group. Also, anybody that is planning on working with me on just kind of giving some general ideas for the show and throwing up, hey, these people said this in this article, whatever, just kind of collaborating, that kind of stuff, you also can get in that group and and see these kinds of things that I work on. But uh, I hope that answers your question. I think we'll end with the Facebook. uh, we'll, we'll, We'll quit Facebook after Joseph's comment. He says, I know it's way too early to say this, but something feels different this year. Our offense is being creative. Our special teams is solid. Our defense has playmakers at every level. We haven't even come close to peaking. For once, we're scrutinizing the Packers for what they need to do better while they're still winning. Obviously, Detroit and Kansas City will be big tests, but still, even if those are losses, we're yet to peak. I still have high hopes. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's kind of a good way to look at it, too. Because the Packers really have everything that they need, and we've seen flashes, right? It, you know, we've we know what the defensive line and Kenny Clark are capable of. It's just not working. We've seen what Blake Martinez can do at his best. He's just not doing it right now. We've seen how good Jair and Kevin King can be, despite the fact that we've also seen them both get completely torched in games this year. We've seen how good Savage can be and Amos can be. We've seen the you know the run game go. We've seen the passing game really take off. We've seen the tight ends. We've seen the number two, the the secondary wide receivers. We've seen Devontae. We've seen each and every one of these components. But we've also had a hard time doing four quarters, and we've had a hard time having all these things click at one time. And granted, that's probably never going to happen. You're going to have some people, some players, some segments not quite clicking. But as the team grows, hopefully we get a little bit more consistency and we also get better production. Some of these things just aren't working yet. But yeah, the, the upside of this team is, is I, I believe, best in the NFL. I mean, it, it's they, they already have components that are best in the NFL. It's just a matter of, again, 
getting more consistency and, and not having so many really low lows. It's going to be hard to argue ever that this team is going to be best in the NFL or even really a Super Bowl contender with this bad of, of, a, of run defense. It really is going to be nearly impossible to even consider us um, Super Bowl contenders. And that, that seems harsh, but, I mean, it, it's so abysmally bad. You go up against teams like the Patriots or, or some of these top-tier teams, and they're – you can't have massive holes that bad in, in what you do because you get a guy like Bill Belichick and he's going to look at that and say, I know how to manipulate that. That's easy. We'll, we're we're going to pick him apart. And you know defensively they're going to be very hard to play against because they're going to take away what you do best. And unfortunately, the Packers being one-dimensional, again, Bill Belichick's going to look at that and go, this is this is the easiest assignment I've ever had. This is I know exactly how to stop the offense, and we know how to attack this defense. This is It's game over, right? I would not want to play the Patriots right now, but we have a lot of room to grow, and we need to grow because hopefully this is Packers Patriots Super Bowl. I want that badly. Don't get me wrong; I'd be excited if they get knocked out because I want to win the Super Bowl. But I want this to be a team that that goes toe to toe with the Patriots and can beat them. I don't want to win the Super Bowl by I don't want to say default because you, nobody wins it by default. But looking at it and and always having that feeling of we beat it because the Chargers got in by some fluke and, and they were having injury issues and everything else, you know. And Patriots fans are, are gloating or whatever, talking about, yeah, okay, well, you you know full well you wouldn't have beaten the Patriots if it was us in there. And we would argue back that, obviously, we got there and you didn't, so we could have, even though in the back of our minds we're thinking, yeah, we probably couldn't have beaten you. That's true. Because right now I don't think the Patriots, the, the Packers do beat the Patriots, but they have the, the high-level talent that, that can absolutely get there. And really, all the Patriots have, and, and they don't get me wrong, they have talent like all over the place. But what they have more than anything is discipline. These guys, it, it's similar to what I said about the Eagles' offensive line, but imagine that and the chemistry and understanding assignments and, and following everything down like it's like synchronized swimming, like everything is just perfect. Take that and extrapolate it over the entire team, right? Everything is just perfectly in sync. Everything is run beautifully and, and, and very exact. And the closer the Packers can drift to that, to being synchronized, and all these things take time, especially the offensive line and the run game and, and developing that and the, the wide receivers and running routes and Aaron Rodgers and, and syncing up his drops with the throws and his progressions and all that. The more they have time to work on this stuff, the better it's going to get. So yeah, I'm excited to see how, how high this thing can go. And I, I, you know, obviously not giving up in the season, there would be no reason to do that. But, but just further optimism to look at the fact that again as we look at 2020 how much better the team will be for for several reasons number one it's more time for Aaron Rodgers and the wide receivers and the running backs and the offensive line to to get gelled with this system but it's also Matt LaFleur gets to handpick players right not not really it's it's Brian Gutekunst but he gets to go to him and say look this is what I need if you can find it for me we can really get this thing clicking. And, and Brian Goody comes with his ability to evaluate talent and all that stuff. Very, very optimistic that he'd be able to get Matt LaFleur those pieces that he needs to overcome whatever challenges that we have. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited. As I'm, as I'm getting older, it's getting easier to look more long-term vision. It's, it's, not everything has to be today. It kind of makes life a little happier, to be honest. But yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely, I'm with you, Joseph. I'm very optimistic about things. But we also have to focus on today a little bit, right? We need to beat the Lions, and that's that. And, and again, I'm not worried about making it clean, but looking a little cleaner would be nice, and getting the win is all that matters, right? 
I mean, if it's sloppy and we win, that's great, but you're a little worried, like, come on, man, we, we, we got to get this thing going. We got to clean this up at some point. But if I had to choose between win and sloppy or take making progress and losing, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and take that, that W because I don't know what's coming down the pipe here. Um, I do have a couple other things, but they're, they're almost, oh, they are. There's, there's three things on my, uh, on the agenda here that, uh, Travis and I have been working on, but they're all pertaining to the Lions, and I think we're going to start talking about the Lions tomorrow. So I'll just go ahead and save those. But again, if, if you'd like to, uh, reach out about possibly getting involved, let me know. Otherwise, I'm going to get out of here. You folks have yourselves a fantastic Thursday? Thursday. Have a great Thursday, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.